Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Another edition of the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. Except it is not Dylan Hughes with me today. It's my good friend, JD Hall, recording with me here in person. But JD, in the tradition of throwing curveballs when a fastball is expected, Kyle Schwarber has hit 15 home runs this month. Does this break your heart? Absolutely. I told people <laughs> I did not want to lose Schwarber. They said he suck. Well, look at him now. I mean, listen, you know, anytime you can give up Kyle Schwarber for nothing, you got to do it. You know what I mean? I hate to see it. It's the way of being a Chicago fan. I mean, I'm going to pull up his stats real quick. I'm sure he's he's raking, like, just for the season as a whole. But when I saw 15 home runs for the month, I mean, when I knew, you know, we were going to be podcasting together yesterday, J.D., I'm like, let's. this is what I got to talk about. But, oh, my God, he's got 25 home runs right now. And it's, you know, when this is coming out, it'll be July 1st. Which means my birthday in 29 days. I mean, if Kyle Schwarber has, you know, 35 home runs on your birthday, how impressed will you be? I'll be happy then. That means he ain't hit none in a long time, and I'm sure we'll have to see them within that time. <laughs> I'm sure you will, too. Um, we're not here to talk about baseball, though. I mean, I figured I, Purdue, Purdue basketball and football is always something I talk about with Dylan Hughes, and JD is a huge Cubs fan, so I figured, you know, let's keep the tradition alive, talking about teams that, uh, you know, are hosts to love. But today, we're going to be talking about the NBA. Um, there's no real – there's been – Chauncey Billups hiring, which I think Dylan and I will cover more in depth. I'll talk about that more later in the episode, but I feel like Dylan and I will go more in depth on that one. Um, JD and I are here to talk about Game 4 of the Hawks Bucks and Game 5 of Clippers Suns. By the time you'll be hearing this, Clippers Suns Game 6 will be uh, will have happened. JD and I will give our predictions for that, and you can roast us at CalebLynn1 if we're wrong about any of our predictions. Make sure you, uh, if you're listening on Apple, please rate, subscribe, and review. That really helps. If you're listening, uh, this actually probably won't be going on YouTube, but we have a YouTube account, The Running Hook, so make sure you subscribe on there. And uh, follow JD on Twitter, at JDBBM22, for a lot of Kawhi-related content. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's get into the games, JD. Let's Wait, get before you say that, I know Caleb cannot talk about anybody's um, predictions, considering everybody on his last podcast was wrong with theirs. I believe, yes, you're correct. I believe everyone on The Last Linsanity, which is the reason why JD and I are recording today. We should have probably said that at the top. No second Linsanity this week, because Caleb Lynn is uh, doing stuff, you know, more important stuff than podcasting, frankly. We, we can respect it, but JD and I, uh, listen, it's a, it's a little crossover episode. We haven't done this in a while, so it's good to hear that. Um, and again, if you have any objection to anything JD and I said, at Caleb Lynn one on Twitter. I mean, anything anything wrong about throwing Caleb's ad out there, JD? Nope. If you want to um, give anybody hell, it's Caleb Lynn. <laughs> exactly. Love you, Caleb. We're just messing around. but um, No, it's really bright shoddy. <laughs> we'll talk about that more later. But yes, you are correct. Um, after, after everyone predicted that it would be Clippers in five, the Clippers, or the Suns in five, the Clippers came out in game five and they absolutely blew, not blew the brakes off of, but in the terms of these playoffs, they blew the brakes off of the uh, the Suns. They won 116-102 to on Monday night. Um, Paul George, with probably his best playoff performance of his career, 41 points, 13, 13 rebounds, six assists, three steals, 15 of 20 from the field. I mean, before we get into anything else, because there's a lot to, to break down from this game, JD, let's just talk about Paul George. I mean, what? A, like, that's just greatness there. I would love to talk about Paul George. I, I would absolutely love to talk about the best player in the playoffs right now. Outside of Giannis. The Solomon Hill disrespect is real. Outside of Giannis, Paul George is the best player in the playoffs. And if we're going to go based off of health, he's easily the best player in the playoffs right now. And, I mean, that that last performance just pretty much showed it. Like, every time everybody get a reason to talk about him messing up and doing something. He delivers a shut-up performance. 
and he's done it all playoffs. But nobody want to talk about that. The, the The story goes now. He's not good in the clutch. Well, if you play almost 200 more minutes than everybody else in the playoffs, I'm pretty sure you'll be fatigued. And you're you're being a two-way guy, which it's not many left out there, considering the fact that I heard somebody named Bryce Shaddy say that KD didn't get any excuses for being tired. Well, let me tell you something. KD didn't play as, as, in as many games, didn't defend the way that Paul George is doing either. And nobody gave KD any, any flack either because he was being Kevin Durant, greatness as usual. But on the other hand, Paul George, Paul George the one everybody had questions about. Paul George the one everybody doubted. And I'm pretty sure Paul George has answered every one of those and nobody want to give him the credit he deserves. Paul George is easily one of the most talented guys to ever play basketball. That is a scorching hot take to end that uh, spiel. I mean, I don't think... I mean, listen... There's a lot you can quibble with there. I think, you know, Iverson's more talented. You know a lot of guys, but I'm not going to dispute Paul George's talent. But I didn't say who was better. I'm talking about talent. Oh, I was saying, you know, I think, you know, just in terms of sheer talent, I mean, AI. Yeah, I mean, AI was a freaking otherworld athlete, though. But, like, okay. In terms of skill sets, yes, probably. That's what I mean. Okay, that's that's a fair... I would have to think about it, but I wouldn't. I'm not gonna say it's stupid offhand. I'm I mean, not, what, I'm not gonna he, say it's the dumbest thing he, I've what, ever heard. What six nine point guard handle can dribble, shoot, athletic steal. Look at the rebound that he been putting on. He never rebounded like this in his career. No, I mean this the is passing. This has easily been the best playoffs of his career because let's face it, he wasn't this good in Oklahoma City. No. He wasn't this good his after the injury in Indiana. Like I don't I know, would take this Paul George before the injury. That's what in I'm Indiana. saying. He's been better than, you know, the the conference finals against LeBron has been, you know, probably the highlight of Paul George's career up to this yeah, point. Yeah. And this is surpassing that. And I never thought it could be surpassed. Like what he's doing for this whole playoffs. You're right. I don't think I think he's played 150 minutes more like than Devin Booker has. And Devin Booker has played, you know, however many fewer games, but like the amount of minutes Paul George has been playing is staggering, especially since Kawhi's gone down in game five of the yeah. Jazz series. Like he's been carrying that load for the Clippers entirely. And you've seen it in the games. Like game four, Paul George was fatigued, right? Game three, Paul George was fatigued. But something got he got that second win in game game five and he really just he had the easiest game of his career probably dominated too. like 15 of 20 is no joke especially when most of those 20 shots are coming from the perimeter and he's been getting to the foul line like let's see how many foul attempts he has in this series he's go he's getting to the foul line 10 times a game in the series yeah, it was eight of eight last game exactly he's been really dominant in every aspect of this series but you've seen like the suns in the first two games they just executed better yeah. but i if you know if Boogie's standing, you know, a little closer to the basket, then we might be talking about Clippers having a 3-2 edge right now over the Suns. We could argue the series might have been over. I, that's exactly the point. Like, so let's just go through the, the scores real quick. So the games the Suns have won, they won by six, one, and four. The games the Clippers have won, they won by 14 both times. So just doing some quick math, they've outscored them by like 17 points. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the thing. When the Suns win, it's close games. You need to execute late. It's nothing against that. You know, I love that. But the Clippers winning big when they win. That That's exactly right. You, you could argue the Clippers are the better team. They just not executing when it matters the most. If Kawhi was healthy, this series would already be over. They would have won at five if not swept them. I mean, Devin Booker in game one, that was an incredible performance. But since then, like for the series, Devin Booker's at like 38% from the field and 31% from three. And let Bryce tell her he's having such a great series. I mean, he's doing well. He's doing he's right? doing good. But compared to the last two series, this this is this is awful compared to the other two. We got I feel like we gotta talk about um well, let's stay on the Clippers for a second. Let's but my boy Chris Paul definitely is showing his impact. We're well, we'll talk about Chris Paul because I feel like we got to have the Chris Paul conversation as mm-hmm. much as I've been maligned for it. Um, let's talk about Reggie though. Like 
Dylan and I discussed this during our last power hour, but holy shit, that dude is going to get paid. Like he is just absolutely ridiculous right now. Like for the playoffs, I think he's shooting 42% from three. Mm-hmm. In this series, he's at he's at 21.8 points a game, 4.4 rebounds, 2.8 assists on 47, 37, and 75 shooting. Like he's just He's been the second guy for the Clippers that they've needed. And, I mean, Janie, we never saw Reggie Jackson step up like this in Detroit. We've only seen it, like, once or twice happen in Oklahoma City. What the hell got into Reggie Jackson? Opportunity. He just arises to he just arises to the occasion. I mean, you got to think about it. When do, when do stars become stars? When do people make their name? In the playoffs, man. He getting the opportunity and he, he living up to the moment. He never really had that the same opportunity in OKC because of the guys around him. And Detroit, Detroit suck. We didn't expect Detroit to, you know. But now he in LA where the lights are the brightest. Now they they best player is out, which means he's getting more more touches. And not only is he's making the most of them. But he's he's been a key factor in everything that they doing. I mean, last game him and Boogie one and two, just playing off each other, just a two man game, led to I think nine straight points between the two of them. I mean, Reggie Jackson is being Reggie Jackson. It's not like we didn't know the talent that he had. We just wasn't sure if he still could be who we've seen once before. If we seen him show in the regular season a couple times. We 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 seen him be a guy that could get a bucket, but we didn't see this kind of efficiency. We didn't see this competitor in him, to be honest. I mean he on both sides of the ball and he's feeling himself every time he touched the floor. I've never seen nobody more confident than Reggie Jackson right now. I mean, Reggie, that's a great point. He's playing within himself. He's, you know, getting to his spots, you know, making the threes. He's making really hard threes. I mean, Tough. Dylan and I talked about this last week. But, like, there, you know how most guys in the NBA, when they, you know, get a wide-open shot, they'll usually – they'll hesitate for a second. Like, if they hesitate, they'll usually miss nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. Reggie, it feels like he makes those ten times out of ten. Like, it feels like if he hesitates – he's going to swish it. And he's been getting to the rim. He's been playing hard on defense. The dunks last game. I mean, he's just been a a monster this whole playoffs. Like, for the playoffs, he's averaging 18 points a game Uh and shooting 41% from three. I mean, he's been ridiculous this whole playoffs. I mean, he can't be denied. He's going to get paid, right? Someone's going to give him probably 15 to $20 million a year at this point. Like, is it going to be irrational? Yes. Is that team probably going to be the Orlando Magic? Probably. But... I think that Reggie is going to earn a payday, and we saw in game four, in game five, they don't win that game without Reggie Jackson. They don't get this far. Not at all. Without Reggie Jackson. Not at all. Like, he's flipped the course of the Jazz series, and he flipped the course of this series, and right now, it feels like the Clippers have momentum on their side. Let's talk about Boogie, because Boogie's your guy. Um, I express skepticism, as you know. I texted you early in the season when he was on Houston that he looked cooked. Like, I mean, and in Houston, it was hard to deny that, you know, that description, but... Boogie in these playoffs has had a couple of huge games, and that's really all you need from him at this point. You don't need – he's not going to be an every-game contributor, but if you can get that 15-point performance out of him, that's going to be great. So what did you see from Boogie in Game 5? Boogie being Boogie, high-IQ player. He know – first of all, he's one. He's still one of the most physically imposing guys. So as far as the rebound numbers go – whether they high or low, you know he's down there. And if he don't get three bounds, somebody on his team will, or he's going to make sure the ball go out of bounds. He's doing something to disrupt it. Um, the passing. This this the passing that I've seen all season. When they put him in as the third string center, and he was being double teamed, and it's simple, just basketball. He's just a high IQ player. We know when he feel like he can score, he's still a bucket. I mean, he, he treated Rudy Gobert a couple times last series, the defensive player of the year for the NBA, not for me. Um, as far as this series go, you can argue those 15 minutes, those 11 minutes he played, 
probably was just as meaningful as all of the minutes that Aiden had for for Phoenix. And it's ridiculous because Aiden has been so superior to almost every center that he played the, in the entire playoffs. So for Boogie to come off the bench and have that same impact, it felt it felt that Aiden has been having for the Clippers in just 11 minutes is huge. It's showing that it, it's pretty much Boogie saying, I might not be on the floor as long as this guy, but as long as I can make my impact as much as his for this amount of time, I'm giving my team a, a shot and opportunity to win. And I think that's what he did in those couple minutes, just simply being himself. And we talked about Zubac on the Power Hour last week, so I'm not going to talk about him this week. But they missed Zubac in game four, in game five, and it didn't matter. He like I saw Zubac was out, and I'm like, oh no, the Suns are going to win this because mm-hmm. like Zubac had played so well in game three and four that I'm like, okay, this is a really bad sign for the Clippers, but it wasn't at all. They still won. And I think now's a good time to move on to the Suns. Um, so we've been talking about like around this basically. Let's start with Chris Paul because I feel like all of the issues that have arisen in this series have come from Chris Paul coming back, right? The offense looks slower. Chris is settling for a lot more jumpers. For whatever reason, he's not passing as much. That could be fatigue due to him coming back from COVID. It could be a lot of stuff. But I think that, JD, it's been really bad watching Chris Paul come in. He basically, like, it looked like they were a lot better with campaign out there in the first couple of games than they were with than they were with Chris Paul out there. Like, I don't understand that at all. Um, You know, Chris Paul, my guy. I think that partially it's him knowing that they they know he's a pass first guy, so he want to make his presence felt scoring. The problem is, I think that they living with him taking those shots as long as they tough shots, you know, because the more that you take him away from passing, the more that DeAndre Aiden not eating. And I'd rather take away Aiden at this point because we don't want him putting up 18 and 12. If if you're the Clippers, you don't want him mm-hmm. putting up 18 and 12. You'll live with Chris Paul going for 20 and 5 versus 15 and 10. 15 and 15. You know, that's the kind of guy he is. So if you if you could take away one thing from him, you want to take away his passing because Chris Paul is naturally a pass-first guy, and we know what he can do as far as scoring, but Chris Paul is a reluctant scorer. He's not going to put his – He's not going to put his his foot on your neck until it's the fourth quarter. So with him coming out, shooting early, at some point he's going to look to pass. And the more that you taking away those passes, the more you, you frustrated him because he wants to pass the ball. And it's really interesting watching, like, Chris Paul – there were a couple plays, and I know you noticed this too, where Aiden had a small on him. Mm-hmm. Where and Chris Paul just decided, okay, I'm gonna shoot this jumper because that's a better play than getting it to our big guy. Like in the first two games, what we admitted was working, and why Zubac had to play games three and four is because Aiden was killing the switches. Yeah. Like the Clippers have been a pretty like Ty Lue's pretty consistently, okay, we're gonna switch everything. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it since they've been in Cleveland. But we're going to switch everything, and the way you beat the switch, and the reason the Jazz couldn't beat the switch is because Rudy Gobert couldn't beat the switch on offense. Because he suck on offense. <laughs> that's very true. I mean, and I think Conley being out had a lot to do with it, too, but that's we're not really litigating the Jazz series here. Um, this is my thing with the, the Suns. They're missing Aiton on a lot of obvious switches, right? There's no reason. He only had 10 shots last game. That, there's no reason he should only have 10 shots, right? And I saw, like, during the fourth quarter, I checked the uh, cleaning the glass. Shout out to cleaning the glass. I believe they only ended up with 30% of their shot attempts. The Suns only ended up with 30% of their shot attempts at the rim. That's disgraceful. Like, you were playing a team that has no interior depth. Like, I love Boogie, but every time Boogie's in the game, you should be running a pick and roll to try to get in the paint. Yeah. Like, that's, that's just what you should be doing. But they trying to play one-on-one and shoot jumpers on them. That's the problem. And I think Chris Paul has a lot to do with that. Like, when they had campaign in the game, campaign was getting wherever he wanted. Like, they didn't really have the quickness to stop campaign. And then we saw in game three, Terrence Mann came out on Chris Paul, and Chris he shut down Chris Paul in game three. Yeah. And then the last game, Chris Paul shot 
eight for 19, but it looked a lot worse than that. Like he was just settling too much. This is the like Suns problem. They're kind of playing like the Clippers right now. And not the Clippers, but they're playing like last year's Clippers, right? What was last year's Clippers problem? They were settling too much. Yeah. They were didn't get and, to the rim enough. And they didn't play a team game after a while. Exactly. And it's kind of wondering if that's going to happen to the Suns here because that's a great point about the team game too. Like you're not going to get – like Bridges and Crowder have been awful in this series. Yeah. Awful from three. Because part of it is the team game aspect is changing. It's becoming Devin Book and Chris Paul versus the Clippers. Would you like to know um, Mikhail Bridges' three-point percentage in this series? Um, Higher or lower than 30? It's higher than 30. I'll give you that. All right, I'm going – 34. 30, well, you're close. 33. And Jay Crowder is at, let's see what Jay Crowder is at. Jay Crowder is at 27. I was going to say 28. I mean, you just have an incredible knack for guessing shit. I don't know what it is about you. You're just, you just have a, a gift, somehow, a gift from God. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, the Suns can't win if those guys aren't contributing. Like, because they don't have, they don't have enough scoring from their bench if campaign's not going to be campaign. And it's crazy that I'm saying that in 2021. But, that campaign's a fucking huge integral part of a championship team, but I mean, campaign's been probably their second most important player this whole playoffs. Like when you think about it, he's been making shit happen. Yeah, when Chris I, Paul went down with the let me uh, revise let me revise this because I know Zach Griffith or Caleb Blood is gonna clip say that. Third, say third. I'm gonna yeah. He's <laughs> like okay. I'd rank in terms of importance this playoffs. I'd be like, oh, Booker one, eight and two, then campaign three. And I know it's ridiculous to have Paul Payne over Paul, but Payne's played more. Payne's played more. And I think it's pretty obvious looking back that they won more against this series with, with campaign than Chris Paul. They they're two and zero with campaign and they're one and two with Chris Paul. Like this is not a Chris Paul series, right? Like against the Nuggets, it worked because they, you know, they needed to slow it down. And the Lakers played slow. But when you're playing slow, you're playing right into the these Clippers' hands. They have a really veteran team. Like what do veteran teams love? They love playing slow. They know when they know when to push it. They know how to slow it down. And the Clippers have been really good about that. And and before anybody think this, anybody talking down on Chris Paul, that that's my favorite point guard of all time. It's just right now, I think I think Chris Paul is uncomfortable. To be completely honest, I think he's un. They making him uncomfortable, which is good, right? Which is what you want if you're the Clippers. Yeah. But it's a like Chris Paul was supposed to slow this team down, and and. In an actually funny way, he is slowing them down, just not in the way that you want, not the way the Suns want. Like, they just look so much better when campaign's out there, but you can't justify playing campaign. You know, you know, NBA is a political game a lot of the time. Like, I gotta say this too. I gotta say this too, because Trash Takes has said something. He is brought, that his new name? Yeah, that's Bryson's new name. <laughs> He's he brought up injuries. On the last Linsanity, I said, Booker is doing this with a broke nose. How many people we seen with broke faces killed in the NBA? Kobe. I mean, Kawhi had on uh, a face mask earlier this season. We didn't see Kobe Bryant, D Rose. Remember when Bryant had the black mask? Yeah, Batman. But anyway. Then he brought up the Chris Paul. No, now we're now we bringing up injuries because somebody brought up the fact Paul George played all those minutes. But let's bring up the Clippers injuries. Why not? Kawhi Leonard, best player in the playoffs outside of KD. At worst, the top five player in the league. Serge Ibaka, a champion. Their starting center hasn't played nothing but one game the entire playoffs. He's gone the rest of the playoffs. Zubak, the guy who filled in for him, missed the last game. Marcus Morris, a 16 to 18 point scorer every night. He's dealing with a knee injury. Has been hurt. Rajon Rondo hasn't been able to play because he has been hurt most of the playoffs. So let's just get this understood. We not finna sit here and talk about injuries when these guys is still on the floor most of every night. Yeah, it's a it's a great point. So, so don't bring that up, trash takes. Just face the fact Paul George been the best player in this series. I mean, he really has been. It's not been close. Um, should we should we move on, JD? Should we move on to um, not the Ox box, but let's. I feel like we gotta talk about Aiden. Like in the two yeah, games, yeah, yeah, for sure. Now in the two games that they've won, 
they've really made it seem like Aiton's disappeared. And I don't know if that's a Suns problem. On the defensive end, they're roasting him every single time. They're yeah. just they're driving by him every single time. But the way you beat small ball isn't with defense, it's with offense. And I just don't understand. Yeah, what Moscow did to Phoenix. Ex- I mean, uh, Golden State. Exactly. But, you know, Draymond, they don't. Tristan. The, the Suns don't have a Draymond. But this is my thing, JD. Just why aren't the Suns getting the ball? To DeAndre Ayton more. Like, I, it needs to happen because that's the only way you're going to win this series. You aren't going to win with a 10-10 performance from DeAndre Ayton. You need at least 18 points. And it's it's just disgraceful, the fact that you have this behemoth out there who's often being guarded by, like, Reggie Jackson or Marcus Morris. And I love Marcus Morris, right? I think he's been really good in these playoffs playing the five. But I don't think that he can guard DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton is a fucking monster down there. I just explained to me the logic why you're not going to get your best center of the ball. Uh, let me see. It don't make no sense, but I really think it's part of what... Um, one thing, Aiden, for some reason, he been going away and taking jumpers when he do got the ball. I don't like that. Another thing is, I think that's part of the Clippers' game plan to minimize his usage. And how you do that? Play Chris Paul for the pass and make Chris Paul be a scorer. Take away what he does the best. And then another thing is, I think Devin Booker been pressing to get points. The better the defense has been on Booker, the less he been more uh, willing to pass. And I think I think that's all part of the Clippers game plan. But I do think that if you don't use DeAndre Aiden the way he's supposed to, let him dominate. He's a dominant force for a reason. Let him dominate. And going away from it, we seeing what it's doing. They losing. And on the defensive end, let me just say this. Remember when he was drafted and my guy Joel B said, don't ever compare him on me. I play defense. That's the thing. Aiden not able to defend none of those guys. I mean, they pulling them out the paint. Paul George been roasting them. Reggie Jackson been roasting them. Patrick Beverly is attacking him every chance he's getting. And he's not even a scorer. Is is looking like they they know he's soft down. I wouldn't say soft, but they know he's not a traditional rim protector. He's not that strong of a defender if you pull him from out of there anyway. So I think they just you attack you attack him on that end and try to minimize his usage on the other end, and boom, you get the game where you want it. And Ty Ty Lue broke out a zone in game five. The zone really threw off, I think the sun, the zone really threw off the Suns in game five, and it really made it hard for them to get Aiden the ball down low. And it makes sense, you know, they're a young team, but Chris Paul should know, hey, a pick and roll works really well against the zone, right? It works really well. Chris Paul should know this stuff. Like he's in year 17 at this point. Like it's inexcusable for a team with Chris Paul on it not to take advantage of a zone. Like I, it's just really inexcusable because he, I mean, JD, you brought up Paul George being one of the most talented players of all time. Chris Paul is one of the smartest basketball players in the history of the league. Easily. Like, it's not close. And I just don't understand why you're wasting <laughs> that intelligence and that brains on, you know, and not using it and getting to the middle of the zone and taking advantage. And the Suns have shooters. Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges. Hell, you know, you, bring, you have Langston Galloway off the bench. You have so many options, and they just don't take. They didn't take advantage of it. And I think that Chris Paul, you know, I think a lot of Game Five is on his hands. I really do, and I don't think them winning Game Four. I think DeAndre Ayton deserves the lion's share of the credit for Game Four, but I think that Chris Paul is just was not. Chris Paul was not up to snuff in Game Five. Like I don't. If Chris Paul is Chris Paul, they win that game. Do you agree? Nah. I think they just couldn't win. Did not game. I don't think they could win game five. I what about like, Hank? What about hanging the game? Yeah, I think the game should have been and could have been a lot closer. But I think that just based off of the way they was executing, I don't. I don't think they would have beat the Clippers. But you know that's fair. Um, let's talk about Beverly real quick before we move on to the uh, next more depressing series. Beverly, man. 
he has been like he had a really bad season, right? I don't think there's really any other way to put it. Who Beverly? I don't think Beverly had a good season this year. I thought you know uh, he was he was he was hurt in and out a lot. I like I thought that you know this season like they were gonna try to get rid of him after the season. Like he has more than you know proved his worth the last two series. Like last series he did a really good job on Jordan Clarkson and when he guarded him Donovan Mitchell, and then this series he's been doing a really good job on like a phenomenal job on Devin Booker. Devin Booker hasn't been guarded this hard all playoffs, and he's really making Booker work. I mean, JD, you talked about Booker struggling earlier and forcing shots. I mean, we got to give a lot of the credit there to uh, Beverly, I think. Yeah, I think as far as this one thing I can say about Pat Bell, he got some great instincts. The way he just know whether what his placement of his hands on shot attempts to smack the ball away, it's ridiculous. Everybody think about the one he got on LeBron. That was at the end of the game, so he knew LeBron was gonna shoot. But the way he been doing Devin Booker throughout these games, just knowing the right place to put it, it like just it's just the placement of his hands at the timing he has. It's exceptional, I think because he's such an irritant. And that's why I think Rondo being hurt is another thing that's hurting the Clippers because that's the Chris Paul irritant. In the regular season, it show he's the Chris Paul irritant. But whatever he told Terrence Mann has worked to an extent. But Patrick Beverly is an irritant for everybody. He's the guy that... He's the mini Joe North. When he's on your team, you love him. When he against you, all oh, you hate him. Everything about him makes you mad. Similar to Tony Allen. Like, they just know how to muck up the game. They just know how to do certain things that, like, it's so annoying. He's annoying. But that is what he do. And you don't want him to feel like he can go at you on the other side because then it becomes a thing of now his defense is coming along with his offense. And because he's not down the shot, he's going to talk more. And when he talk more, he's going to play even harder, which means he's going to get better. <laughs> he's a guy that it don't take nothing for him to get going but talking. So when he's producing as he's talking – he gets better as time goes on. That's why, if you think about last series, Jordan Clarkson was talking a lot to them. And when Patrick Beverly started guarding Jordan Clarkson and he started messing with Jordan Clarkson, he started knocking down threes. The Clippers started taking off. Look at these last couple games. Look at the games the Clippers won. Patrick Beverly has been a guy that's been able to score. The better his defense is, the more confidence he gets to put the ball in there. And if we're going to be honest, he's not a bad shooter. He's not somebody you think of instantly and say he's a shooter, but he's not a bad shooter. And he's knocking down the shots. He's taking advantage when he's going down low. The more his confidence rises, I think the more dangerous the Clippers become. I think that's a good way to put it. Let's go ahead and wrap up our coverage of this series by doing... I was going to do the... Uh, let's do, you know, our analysis if either team wins tonight. But let's not let's not do that. Because I think that... I, I just don't think that'll work. But, um, JD, I think I know which way you're leaning. I don't know who will win tonight. Like, I don't know who will make us look like a jackass, the Clippers or the Suns. I mean if the if the Suns win they'll make us look like complete asses, let's be real. I mean I'm not I'm not against it. I mean I I don't have no hatred for them. I don't either. I love Devin Book. I love Chris Paul. I like Aiden. I'm not as big on them as others. I like Aiden. Everybody know how I feel about Jay Crowder. I like Cam Johnson a lot. I don't like Michael Bridges but I love what he do. Here's let, let me ask this. I just don't like him because of you, honestly. <laughs> Thank you, JD. That's, that's truly an honor. Let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this. Is this to, is tonight the ultimate must-win game for the Suns? Yes. For the reason being, y'all was up three three one. Y'all started off up two zero. You playing in L.A. tonight. I think the Clippers win at home, but y'all stole the game from them at home. But mm-hmm. they was not supposed to steal one from y'all at home. Yeah. The Clippers is likely to defend their home court tonight. 
And in a game seven, we know one player who has the worst luck than any player in the NBA. Probably in NBA history. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't want – if I'm Phoenix, I don't want to go to a game seven. I would tend to agree. I think that if they lo- if the Suns win – And the deeper they go, the better the Clippers been proven to be exactly. every round. Exactly. I mean, they've won after losing the first two games. They've won each of their series. So, I think if the Suns don't win tonight, it could be really bad for them. And JD's right. The Chris Paul has had terrible luck. Probably the worst luck in the history of the NBA. And Lord knows I hate it. That's, that's my God. I think I would lean towards the Suns winning tonight. But, I'm not. again, I'm not going to be shocked at all if the Clippers, you know, take... It, it could go either way for sure, but... it's. I, I'm a. I can't go against a team Kawhi. I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, I don't think Kawhi's gonna play the rest of these playoffs, but you gotta give Paul George a lot of credit, a lot of credit, and we'll uh, we'll see. I mean, if they lose, if the uh, Suns lose tonight, Game Seven will be on Friday, so that'll be a, a fascinating, fascinating game. Let's go ahead and move on though to um, a series where no one seems to want to be healthy. Hawks Bucks. So since the last insanity, there's only been one game. And that was Sun, uh, Hawks. I, the Hawks blew him out by like twenty plus. I don't need to read they the score. Killed them last night. Yeah, it was not like worth the time reading the score of the um, of the game. But let's be real, JD. The story of the game was Giannis getting hurt. Yeah. In the middle of the third quarter, like that was just when he was willing them back in the game. Too. Like Giannis, to me, this this playoffs has proven to be. I mean, JD, we agree he's better than he was against Toronto. Like, I think that he's progressed, like, a level or two since they, he played Toronto. And he's been really good this whole playoffs, and it was a bummer. So, we got the uh, news. It's only a hyperextension, only in air quotes there, because it looked like... At first thing, I thought it was a toy ACL ex- until they replayed it. Exactly what JD said. So, it could have been much worse. But doesn't change the fact that Giannis was doubtful for Game 5. So, Game 5 will be the day this is released. Um... Let's talk about... I, I mean, there's not really much to talk about from Game 4 because it was such a weird game. I mean, Lou Will went off. Lou Will had probably the best game of his playoff career. Gallo's been... I wouldn't say that because he did hit Golden State with almost a 40-piece couple years I mean, ago. that's fair, but 27... But most efficient. I go most efficient. Most efficient is fair. He had 21 points on 7-9 shooting, 5-6 from the foul line, 2-3 from 3, and he had, he had 8 rebounds and... Or five rebounds, eight assists, which you never see from Lou Will. And then Herter with 15, 7, and 6. Um, Bogdanovich with a, the bounce-back game of all bounce-back games. I mean, I think if it's if it's the Hawks supporting cast versus the Bucks supporting cast, I think I'm favoring the Hawks, J.D. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, supporting cast, I would go. i I go the Hawks just because they got a bunch of plug-in pieces well a bunch of guys on their team literally do the same thing <laughs> so it's like you take like for instance when Bogdanovich sit down Kevin Herter does exactly the same thing only people you can't say do the same thing is obviously Trey Young and Lou Will mm-hmm. they completely different um, and the Chris Dunn, we know he's not touching the floor, though. He played 10 um, minutes the last game. Oh, shh. Those was 10 minutes that I didn't see. <laughs> I didn't do nothing for my that's, boys. But, um, that's when I turned the game off when I saw Chris Dunn enter the game. I'm like, oh, this is over. Then, um, and Capella. Mm-hmm. And Capella and John Collins. But they even complement each other very well. Outside of that, I mean, the rest do the same thing. Gallinari, similar to Herder and Bogdanovich, they all do the same thing, just different heights. I mean, I, I'll go, I'll take they supporting cast because with Milwaukee, I don't really think that um, DiVincenzo being hurt, that can't be replaced. Pat Connaughton doesn't do what he do. Connaughton can't shoot. Yeah, he just can't do what DiVincenzo do. Then Brent Forbes is... We know, you know, I love me some Brent Forbes, but Brent Forbes is a liability on defense. And let's just be honest, you can't be a liability when you got a savvy veteran like Lou Will on the floor. Mm-hmm. Then you got um, and then 
You got um who else on Milwaukee bench? Um, Bobby Portis. I love Bobby. I, you know, I won't say nothing bad about Bobby outside of his defense isn't what you want though. Let, yeah, like, if, let's if, just if, I'll I'll say it kindly for you since you don't want to say it. No, I, that's what I say. Outside of he's not the defender you want him to be, but when Bobby is going offensively. It makes up for that defense. He won them game three. I mean, not won them, but he he and Middleton, they don't push across the finish line without Portis. Man, he's so tough. I, in all honesty, I would I would rather see him alongside Giannis more. It would make more sense. I don't know why they didn't. I mean, in Brooklyn, it makes sense because KD was going at him every single time. Yeah. Like Versus I, Brooklyn, yeah. But against Atlanta, I've agreed. I don't know why. Port, I mean, Portis played 20 minutes last game, which was probably, I think, other than the Miami series, is high. But um, Drew and Chris both combined to shoot six, or they both shot six of 17 each. And, you know, Giannis was seven of 10. He was 0 of 3 from the foul line when he went down. And, I mean, it looked like he was, you know, he was bouncing back because Giannis had a really bad first half in game four. Really bad. But then he was bouncing back when he got hurt, and I think that just killed all the momentum. I think we could see a huge Middleton game. I think that's... that's we better. I mean, but Reddish... Reddish played pretty good defense on, on Middleton. He like, did. Reddish is a defensive dog, right? Like, that's, you know, that's his reputation. And, I mean... Should okay. Let me ask you this question. I know that the Bucks should still have won, even because the Bucks didn't, or because the Hawks didn't have Trey. But I mean, you know, home court's a very real thing in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We we can't expect all those role players to shoot as well again in Milwaukee, can we? Uh, I I don't think they will. I don't I don't think they will at all shoot th- shoot that well because. Especially without Trey Young, I don't see it at all. Another thing, I don't, I really don't think that Reddish will be able to affect Middleton. Like, let me say this: they messed up last game by letting Giannis handle the ball that much, and I think it went to it, it worked in Atlanta's favor to the point where. Drew wasn't able to get everybody else involved, and Middleton wasn't able to pick his spots the way he should have been. Like, when Middleton is able to pick his spots, as easy as he can, as simple as he does it, the team scores a lot easiest. They don't have to work for much because Middleton can get a bucket up. He's a bucket getter, and, and he's not a bad defender. Drew Holiday. Drew gets everyone involved. They put the ball in Giannis' hand thinking, hey, Giannis, dominate early so we can go ahead and get out of here. And Atlanta just didn't go for it. Capella was waiting for him. John Collins was waiting for him. And they couldn't do it. Put the ball in Drew's hands, which they don't have a choice but to do now. And I guarantee Drew and Middleton will lead them to a victory. I don't see none under 28 for Middleton. I mean, Middleton, we saw, you brought it up. We were talking about it earlier since you're here. We were talking about – you were brought up the Miami series last year. And when their backs were against the wall, Middleton put in – Middleton had his best career playoff game, like before game three. Versus – Elite defenders. Like, way better defenders than the Hawks have. But That's why I thought he was going to walk to 25 and easy this series. You've got to give the Hawks credit, though. you got to give the Hawks credit because they're defending their asses off. And when Trey, like, I think not having Trey on the floor actually might have helped them in game four. Like, not on the offensive end, obviously, but with no Giannis, like, first of all, this would be like having the, you know, the Pacers and the Hornets play in the conference finals. <laughs> like, the way that these teams are constructed now, like, that's literally what it would, like, with no Trey. Trey's questionable for game five. But I think I think Trey will play in game five, and they're going to need him because they can, they can make the finals. I can't believe I'm saying that. They can make the finals, <laughs> but... I think I think Drew going to lie down by Donovich. I mean, he should. Because by Donovich. He did a lot of talking last game, and I think it's not finna go well. I, I I think the dog in Drew is about to be let out on by Donovich. And, like, we saw in game one the approach of letting Trey get his and shutting down everybody else probably isn't that smart. 
but it might be their best avenue because Bogdanovich looked like the Bogdanovich we saw against New York in, in the first five Philly games. Because you remember, like, we're doing dealing with a lot of recency bias here because Bogdanovich just had a pretty bad before this, like, five-game yeah. stretch because he was hurt. But now he it looks like he's back, right? Yeah, last game. He, he, look, he looked great last night. But before that, you know, the five games before that, he really... He was I, sucking. But he was hurt, you know? Yeah. And, but he was out there, so you can't really say much, but... He looked like... He looked like uh, the tapes my man Bryce give just trash. <laughs> absolute Bryce trash. Take, Bryce is getting an absolute beating in this episode. I love you, Bryce. That's I, trash takes. I love you, trash takes. Oh, <laughs> I don't endorse that nickname. Um, what was I going to say? But Bogdanovich has looked, looked a lot better in game four. And then um, Okongwu, man, that kid can play. Like, I don't... You can step in there to some big minutes. Like, as a rookie, as a rookie big man, we've seen a lot of rookie big men. Like, we saw James Wiseman this year. He wasn't ready for the NBA. But Okongwu's come in, and in the playoffs, in the most important of games, he's come in and he stepped up huge. And I wanted to shout him out. Um, that's that. That's a mini Capella right there. Capella's also questionable for Game 5 after catching an elbow to the face. Mm. So that could be an interesting little wrinkle there. They need but Capella to, they, be, to to win that game. I think. Okay. Do you think that there's any chance? I know we're not doctors, but do you think that there's any chance that Giannis tries to play next, on this next game? No. I see him coming back game six. And if he comes back in game six, do the Bucks win the series? If Giannis is 80%, they win a series. I mean, Giannis is by far the best player on the floor. Let's, can we, let's just talk about it. I, I think, personally, if he's 80%, Drew and Middleton is going to take care of the rest. I really think they, they got it. And people, you know, were giving Giannis a lot of shit last round. But you got to give Giannis credit, man. He is, like... His number's still been great. The the theme of this episode really should have been mental toughness. Because Giannis and the Clippers both have been incredibly mentally tough. Like, last round... I mean, Giannis put up 40, 13, and whatever in Game 7. I mean, right now, Giannis and Paul George is the most ridiculed players that we got. And mm-hmm. they leading two of the remaining four teams. Yeah, and they're... And they're the top two players left in the playoffs. I would say so, yeah. And Giannis has just been incredible this whole, this whole playoff run. And I think that he, you know... I really... I know JD's not a huge Bucks fan. But I, re- I, I hate I hate Milwaukee. You hate he hates Milwaukee. I'm 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 trying to put it lightly for you, JD. You're you're not helping the um the delicate the delicate case for yourself. <laughs> I'm just saying I I ain't gonna lie about it. I, I hate Milwaukee. You know that's fair. I hate Green Bay. I mean I hate Green Bay I hate, too. I hate the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't really hate the Milwaukee Brewers, but I'm a, I'm an AL fan, not an NL fan, so that makes. I hate the Minnesota Twins. By the way, real quick, fuck Josh Donaldson. <laughs> Acting like Lucas Giolito has sticky stuff on his hands. You know, say that shit to his face and not uh, at home plate. Thank you. Um, I don't really think there's that much else to talk about this series because right now I think it's safe to say, okay, would you say it's pretty safe to predict Hawks win game five, then Bucks win the last two? Um, no. No? I don't think they win in Milwaukee. Interesting. This next game. So you think they... So if Giannis comes back for game six, do they put it away in six? I think they can. Interesting. Unless Trey play. If Trey play, give me Atlanta six, Milwaukee seven. Interesting. So if Trey plays in game five, what do you think? What do you think? Give me Milwaukee. Wow. All right. I think I think that they could win, but the reason I'm saying give me Milwaukee is I just see Middleton and Drew going berserk in this game. I can't I, I can't not see that. I just see them and Brooke Lopez. I see Brooke going twenty one and eleven. I can see it too. And I think I think we've touched on everything to touch on for both series. Like I said, um actually we're gonna move on to call out corners. JD, you have a lot on your chest. We're doing we're still in call out corner from the battleground because JD has a lot on his chest. I'm just gonna back off. I'm gonna back off away from the mic. You you go ahead and give what you say what you need to say. Thank you. Um, first of all, that last episode of Insanity was full of hot garbage trash takes. I can't 
for 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 Bryce to sit here and still try to ridicule Paul George and then say the series over. The series is over. Yeah, that that didn't go over so well. He put up 41 13 and 6, Bryce. Shut up. Just stop talking. Whenever Paul George is in the conversation, do not let Bryce give a take. It will be biased and it will be trash. Also, all of y'all said they was going to lose last game. Haha, <laughs> suck it. Um, Zach, I know you had to go back and take this away, but I, I just got to say this. I know you love your boy DeAndre Ayton, but stop putting him above. You making this guy sound like he's Joel and B reincarnated with more skill and talent. No, he's not. He's not he's not a top three center. He's not a top five player remaining in the playoffs. Let's get that understood. Wait, okay, before we continue, who are your top five left in the playoffs? Okay. Giannis, Paul George, easily better. Mm-hmm. Um Devin Booker. Okay. Trey Young. Okay. Who who else in there? I mean Oh yeah. I'm not putting Ain't over Chris Paul yet. I'm not. Also, did you say Middleton? Also, right now, I take Middleton and Drew over Aiden. Mm-hmm. I take Capella. Wow. No, I'm just playing about that. I'm just playing <laughs> about that. I just knew that I, that that'll get uh, Zach something to talk about. No, I ain't gonna take Capella though. <laughs> no, nah, it's only one Atlanta player, and that's Trey. But I take I take uh, the top three from uh, Milwaukee because they all been mm-hmm. super important. And they all been they they been who they need to be. And then Trey, then Paul George. Yeah, obviously Trey, PG. And then the two then, other Suns guys. Then, then the two, yeah. So I mean, the eighth best player in the remaining in the yeah, playoffs he, isn't he, bad. He top ten for sure, but saying five, he's not the best player on his team. How could I say top five right easily? Mm-hmm. That was ridiculous. Um, on, while we're on the subject. I'm, this isn't my call. This is one of my call-out corners. I had two. Zach Griffith remains on the insanity, taking me out of context. I said in the group chat that Devin Booker carried the Suns. Now, should I use the word carried? No, but he's he's spearheading it. The, spearheading is the better way to put it. But I did not imply that Devin Booker has no help. Jay Crowder, exceptional player. You know I'm doing a top 100, right? I, mm-hmm. Yes. So for the listeners, Jill and I will both be doing top 100 at some point. Um, so in my top 100 for the Suns, Devin Booker's top 20. Chris Paul's top 25. Um, Aiton's in the top 35. Bridges is almost at 50. Uh, Crowder is in the top 70 or top 75. Like, I think that to say that I said that Booker has no help when I have think so highly of that many Suns guys is just, you know, I'm not discounting what Aiton did against the Nuggets. I think, (laughs) I think that, uh, you know, Chris Paul has been great, but Devin Booker has been by far the best player for the Suns in these playoffs. It's not really, it's not close. Like, and yes, we talked about how Beverly's doing a really great job on him. Right. But that doesn't change the fact that Devin Booker is by like you don't get this far without your best player. If you replace Devin Booker with you know, let's just say De'Aaron Fox, right? Like De- De'Aaron Fox is really good, mm-hmm. but they don't get this far because that's the that's, that's the point I was trying to make. I'm not saying that you know Devin Booker is putting this team on his back and willing them to victory every single game, a la LeBron James in 2018, right? But there, that what I was trying to say was, and what I think I eventually corrected myself to saying in our group chat was, was that. Devin Booker is by far the best player for the Suns and is not really close. Like Chris Paul got a lot of love during the regular season, and I thought I thought Devin Booker was better back then. I thought Devin Booker was better all season than Chris Paul. I've been pretty consistent about this, and I just think that I'm glad that you know Chris Paul is getting a lot of love. I'm glad Aiton's getting a lot of love, but I don't think that uh, you know, I think that Booker. It's safe to say that he's been by far the best player on the roster. Do you have anything, any other call-out corners before I move on to mine? Um, just that I can't wait to have another battleground to smoke trash takes. Um, I don't, I don't care whether the Clippers win or lose to Phoenix, but I'm smoking him. 
because I'm sick of the disrespect that he keep giving Paul George. It's ridiculous. It, it's like, I, I just don't understand it. Um, Justin Powell, you suck. Everything <laughs> Inside a call-out corner without JP. A, everything you say is just trash. Hang it up with the blue jeans. They weak as hell. Um, let me see. Zach, you can love Aiden without being that damn blind. And that, that's really, oh yeah, Caleb. You either start muting them or you don't record with them when they have such blasphemy to put on there. Your show doesn't deserve that. <laughs> that's a great way to close it. Um I was gonna save this for the power hour on Friday, but I really gotta get this off my chest now. So if you've been following the NBA at all, you've probably been noticing Chauncey Billups' names in the news. And he's, you know, um, dealing... He had a case in 1997 where he was alleged... He and Ron Mercer were alleged... I believe it was rape. Don't quote me on that. I apologize. I should have been better prepared. But they settled out of court, right? And, you know, that's whatever, right? I don't think... I wouldn't have hired Chauncey personally, but that's that's whatever. Um... This is the thing that really gets me upset, right? I'm This call-out is towards Neil O'Shea and the Portland Trailblazers front office. First of all, you made it seem like this Dame wanted Neil, or Dame wanted Chauncey Billups there, right? Dame comes out on Twitter and says, they gave me a list of guys to choose from, and I chose the two guys that I liked. Then, you know, Portland fans and Portland media, they go off on Dame, they're like, oh, this is your guy. You know, you pick Chauncey. When Chauncey probably didn't have much of a say in this decision, or I said Chauncey, when Dame didn't have much of a say in this decision, right? And plus, like the majority of us, I, JD, I don't think, knew about this case before I we talked about this earlier today. No, I didn't. And I didn't know about this case until it started being passed around on Twitter, right? Like, I didn't know this was a thing until like two or three days ago, right? Or last week. I'll, I'll say last week. So... You can't blame Dame for this. I don't blame Dame for not knowing about Chauncey's shortcomings as a human being, right? The Jason Kidd thing, you know, I think that was more publicized. I knew about the Jason Kidd thing before. I didn't know about the Chauncey thing. But the thing that really upsets me was the Portland Trailblazers PR. They So they hired Chauncey, and then on Tuesday, we're recording this, like I said, on Wednesday. Portland Trailblazers PR doesn't give Chauncey a chance to address, like, what he's learned you know, from the experience that he had in 1997, right? And Chauncey, JD, I showed you the video, and JD will back me up. It looked like Chauncey was about to answer. Yeah. He he looked like he was about to before the damn P.I. lady cut him off. And it might have been nothing. It might have been, you know, like an actual genuine revelation, right? But we at least deserve to know. (laughs) You know, you're giving this man the key to your franchise, and you are being, you are, I'm just going to say it, JD. This is a strong word, and I probably overuse it. Neil O'Shea and the Portland Trailblazers are cowards. Like, actual, genuine cowards. I mean, if you remember uh, what I said earlier, said Portland is not a good organization. I kept saying it. And I said they need to be out of there. And them uh, trash take suckers in the group sat there trying to argue it. Ha ha, he'll be traded. And JD, this is not the first time in the last couple of weeks on this pod- on this day of the podcast that I've called out Neil O'Shea. What was it like two weeks ago where I called out Neil O'Shea for saying there was no problems with the roster? It was oh, the coaching, yeah. which was a ridiculous statement on its face. And then you hire Chauncey Billups, who we don't know anything about as a coach, right? And again, you just know the development he did with Paul George, mm-hmm. Reggie Jackson, and Kawhi this year. That, and I mean, listen. Again, I don't know anything about Chauncey as a basketball coach. I do, you know, we do know the actions. And we deserve, like, as a people, we deserve to know, you know, what Chauncey feels about that, yeah. right? Like, it's important because they, I believe in second chances, J.D. For sure. And if he believes that he's grown and if he believes, you know, we've never heard anything else other than the 1997 incident, right? Yeah. There's an absolute possibility that Chauncey could be a better person. I would probably guarantee it. Well, but people talk about now is talk about how nice and generous he is. But... I, we didn't get the chance to know if he grew. Yeah. And that's what irks me. Let him be a man to talk. Because he, it's so, like, I don't want to upset anybody, but it makes me upset that because we deserve more. And shout out to, I believe it was Jason Quick that asked from The Athletic. Shout out to him, because that's not an easy question to ask. You know, you're risking, you know, sources from Olshay, blah, blah, blah. But I just, it really pisses me off because... 
Chauncey, I, we deserve, like I said, we deserve to know whether or not you actually made progress because that's probably the most important thing. You're pissing off so many of your female customers, mm-hmm. right? Like you were pissing them off beforehand. Maybe you could have actually, you know, made them feel better about this hire, right? Because we know we probably should have triggered. Employees. We probably should have put a trigger warning before this. That's my bad. But we should probably, like, there are a lot of women that get raped out there and they deserve to have their voices heard too. And this is so callous from the play from the Blazers and Jody Allen in particular, who's had cases against her, sexual harassment cases against her. This is um you know, it's funny. The Mavericks and the uh, Blazers are slowly turning into the Kings. Like mm. they're, you know, turning into the horrible organization. And if Dame leaves, I think Blazers fans are at the point where they just they realize that you know, the front office has made it such because I brought up the, you know, we talked about the terrible roster earlier. I mean, Stotts was around probably, you know, five years longer than he should have been. And then, you know, to do this cowardly shit, right? And Olshay, they said, okay, another thing I want to call it Olshay for. Um, <laughs> they were talking about, they ran an internal investigation, right? And they're like, oh, hey, um, you know, what did the investigation say? And this is from Sean Hyken at Hyken on Twitter. I asked Neil Olshay for more details about the investigation. That's proprietary, Sean. You're just going to have to take our word for it that we hired an experienced firm that led us to the result we already discussed. So, like, you're not going to tell us what the uh, the research firm found out? Like, is what if it cleared Chauncey? Like, that makes it seem even worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? It makes it seem like you're trying to hide something. Stop trying to hide shit. It's not gonna work out for you. And you're pissing off so many of your fans. I, it pisses me off. And I'm just, I'm glad I got it off my chest because I, you know, I needed to get it off my chest. It's so bad. You know, women, <laughs> women's opinions matter too. And it sucks when things like this make them feel like their opinions don't matter. But I think that's all we got for the show. I'm apologize for the passion, but I this is you know I'm really passionate about this stuff. You know, like women's voices matter too. Yeah. So wrong with that. No, and I you know shouldn't be apologize. I'm I take back my apology. Fuck you if you're offended that I'm so offended about this subject. But only thing wrong is that Caleb had trash takes <laughs> delivered his entire last list sanity. <laughs> That's a good comedic note to end it on. Um, go check out that Linsanity if you want to hear what uh, JD is referring to as trash takes and Zach Griffith and Cover your Caleb ears Lynn. when Bryce speak. I mean, you know, don't unsubscribe or anything, but if you have any issues with that episode, <laughs> please at Caleb Lynn one. Um, Circle City Cinema. I believe, JD, you'll be on there pretty soon. Mm-hmm. You and your brother, Jamal. So you're going to be talking about Boys in the Hood 30th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Boys in the Hood in forever. I need to to watch it again yeah, boys in the hood and uh um the movie i appeared in uh, yes. proverbs 31 yes and then uh zach and i will be talking about loki episode four this uh this weekend that'll be out on monday furious seven. Oh, furious seven. Oh, that's this week too i believe it's sometime soon yeah furious seven will be this week with bryce and devin i believe so yeah that's a good call um triple option passes on a little bit of a hiatus divine rhyme we'll have two episodes this week on the uh, bluegrass singer sturgill simpson i've never heard him but you know they they like him so that's that's good for them i guess <laughs> i'm kidding i love dylan and uh i love dylan and will but shout out to them they, i didn't i've never listened to sergio simpson i listened to their divine rhyme and i i dug with it so it was a really good episode um what else am i missing power hour dylan and i'll be back this week we'll be doing um we'll be recapping the conference finals and then we'll be uh we'll be doing nba funerals jd we'll be burying each of the teams that have lost and then if the uh, clippers lose tonight we'll be burying the clippers so bury the pacers we will bury the pacers trust me thank you and uh i won't say what he'll say about them but oh in the battleground the battleground will be, we're gonna try to be back next week caleb's gonna be on vacation so that's gonna be interesting might see another shaddy sanity pop up that would be a, a fun listen if he pops back up but um trying to think of what else um battleground facts and stats you just had a facts and stats on communication this week it was quite good yeah thank you sir thank you I thought it was important. I mean, communication is important. We just had a little bit of a lack of communication there after the uh, <laughs> the last plug. Um, from one young soul to another. All right, I'm going to use the one I used last week. JD, I think you've heard one of these before. 
But um, I'm gonna do the, the one I used last week. I'm gonna go to your local cafe or bar or Starbucks or whatever, wherever you like to get your drinks from, right? I'm gonna tell them you left all your negative, their negative reviews on Yelp. So then when you go there, you're gonna be on the blacklist. They're gonna be like, no, we're not serving you. What the hell do you think you're doing here? Leaving all these negative reviews. You didn't leave all those negative reviews, but I told them you did. And who are they gonna believe? Me or you. So make sure you uh, buy his book. I mean, it's $7.50 for the hardcover, JD. That's nothing. Yeah. Stop being cheap, suckers. And five dollars. I mean, if you don't even want to get the hardcover, it's five dollars for the E edition. It's ridiculous, JD. I'm so sick of these people being cheap freeloaders. Just, just buy the damn book. I mean, come on now. And then I'm um, Den of Dorks with DJD. JD, this was a blast doing Call Out Corner. I think it was a necessary Call Out Corner for me. And then you know, I enjoyed it as always. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. And folks, thank you so much for listening.